five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome everyone to Truth, Beer, and Podsequences. So this is the podcast where my co-host and I listen to and then review all the Cincinnati-based craft beer podcasts from the previous week. We get together at a gracious podcast host. Today we are back at Higher Gravity Summit Park. Thank you for being such a gracious podcast host. Now, while we do this, what we're doing, we hope there aren't too many consequences from the hosts of the other podcasts. So far, so good. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. I mean, there's we there may be stuff coming up. Who knows? <laughs> I've actually purely taken this opportunity to uh, air out my grievances with you guys. It's so, true. Yeah. It's awesome. true. These, this there's, could be. <laughs> yes. There, yes. That, that the reintroduction is awesome. to the consequences. I've been playing nice, but we're not friends after the show. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So, I couldn't be kidding more. I, I'm very much kidding. <laughs> We will, we will see. Uh, my, my name is Marco. I'm a taproom manager here locally. You heard two voices. One of them you're familiar with. One of them, if you listen to podcasts that we uh, do talk about and cover, you're familiar with as well. Uh, however, at this point, I'm going to introduce the best co-host in podcast landia. I'm Julia, and I just give you guys 20 minutes worth of beer events in our 0.5 calendar episodes, and I drink a lot of beer. That's right, and the other claim to fame. the other voice, other than Julia, uh, belongs to a first-time guest. Actually, so, he's not technically a first-time oh, guest because our very yeah. first live that's episode. That's true. You were on. I called you out and, and said, so, "Okay, get up here on the mic." Yeah. First-time guests introduce themselves. You are not a first-time guest. You can. I will introduce you now. Mm. Oh, do, right. do you have do you have all of his titles to introduce ready? Because I do. Well, who should we bring on to introduce him? Mm. Should we bring? Got to be got to be Frank. Frank. Let's do Frank. Gilbert. No. <laughs> God no. Stallone. Hey, well, this is Frank Stallone. <laughs> hey, well, thank you for having me on here. I was gonna go do something more important, uh, but lies. You know you. Okay, I don't have anything more important, <laughs> but you should watch my show, uh, my brother's show on Paramount Plus. It's called Tulsa King, where he's, you know, gangster Tulsa. You know, you get it. You know what it's about. But we have uh, Danny Harold from Sonda Brewing. <laughs> Not with an S, because you're a dope if you put an S at the end. Or you're from... The West Side or the Midwest, and you put an yeah. S on everything. Yeah. Whether it a small piece of me dies every time someone says Saunders to me. Yeah, yeah. I handle it very poorly too because <laughs> I like I don't have the balls to actually like correct them. But what I do is say the word Saunders in a sentence as many times as, as I possible. It's so oh, like we have I an do. office phone at work, and like whoever's just around it picks it up. You know, it's like general questions. It's like. Hi, we'd like to reserve a table at Saunders. And I was like, hi, yes, we do allow table reservations here at the Saunders in the Saunders Brewing Tap Room. Uh, here at Saunders, we offer beer made by Saunders. Like, as many That's times amazing. I can say Saunders as a sentence, I rifle it off. I even so, do it online, too. So, do you say Kroger or Kroger's? Uh, I, I, so, I grew up in Cleveland. I didn't really, I didn't grow up on Kroger. So, when I came down here, I actually worked with like a Kroger affiliate right after so college. You, you got it right. I've always been Kroger. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've never been rifling off random asses. That's not me. <laughs> That's it. 
You save the S's for other things. Yeah. 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 Keep them things. in the pocket. Yeah. yeah. I apologize for interrupting your no, uh, introduction. No, Frank's going. He got out of here. <laughs> he had, I guess, more important for those air quotes, but yeah, he's not quotes, alive. Important. Uh, important yeah. Welcome, to do. Danny. Thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. So in addition to being the Sonder social media maven and <laughs> the glue that holds everything together there, which is what I'm going to say. That's very generous of you. Is, Thank you. That is my truth. Uh, you are also a disc golf king. You are also a professional wedding guest. And you are also <laughs> a connoisseur of pizza. Like, yeah. you, like people can give you an event, a time of year, and a mood, and you can provide them the exact like type of pizza and pizzeria that they should be ordering from. Yeah. I do I do have a deep appreciation for pizza. Mm-hmm. I do like to point out though that I don't I don't like to consider myself a pizza snob because I am also the guy that there's a high likelihood that I'm swinging by the little Caesars on my way home and getting a $5 pizza like Ooh. I appreciate pizza at all of its costs, and there's good and bad pizzas at, at each mm-hmm. said price range, you know? Sure, sure. Um, Although I will say, one time I did go to Little Caesars for mm-hmm. the five, five dollar hot and ready pizza. Yeah. It was neither ready nor <laughs> hot. I don't know how that worked out. Like, I don't that like is tough. If it's not If it's not Over ready, it should be hot. If it's not hot, it should be ready. It was neither. I became a regular at the Little Caesars in Norwood in college. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great Little Caesars. They are often hot and ready. Excellent. Yeah. Maybe that'll oh, be yeah. my, my next yeah. one. Another awesome. nickname of mine from high school. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. But yes, I, I, I do have a deep appreciation for pizza. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so Wonderful. much for being here. I know Excited that to be here talked on you know our live show uh, that was our first live show i think that yeah you i want to say i want to yeah. say so yeah. yeah i didn't even realize i was going to be on the show but it was fun it was yeah we we didn't tell anyone that we might call them up because we thought then they're just not going to show up mm-hmm. so uh you're welcome <laughs> any any live opportunity to badger the shift beers folks i will yes. take yeah. Ooh, yes. there we Ooh, go. There we go. So wait, ship yours. Who's who's that? I, I can't even tell you. I, Who, uh, I have no room to talk. We also haven't done a podcast <laughs> in a while, so I got no room to talk. I do miss those podcasts, though. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. And likewise with Sonder's story. So, I mean, hopefully, who knows, depending on how things go, mm-hmm. maybe we'll get kind of the random one here and there for big events or, or what have you. But That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so let's talk about being a craft. Oh, Mark is waving his finger at me. <laughs> that, that sounded worse than what it was. Uh, oh, he did no, Kim you idea. Ooh, yeah, yeah, the, the Matumbo. Uh, <laughs> no, but we didn't. We didn't do our, uh, you know, mandatory disclaimer. So uh, okay. uh, all the thoughts and opinions on this podcast are ours and ours <laughs> alone, not affiliated with anything uh, that we are associated with, such as our full-time jobs or higher gravity. You have a problem. Uh, reach out to us directly. Uh, do not reach out to higher gravity. So. Um, I think that's about it. Um, did I miss anything there, Julia? Nope. Just what we have on the table in front of us. Right. Well, next that's one. the next thing is that the the this you know no craft beer podcast would be a good craft beer podcast without having beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not like those fake ass craft beer podcasts that pretend they're drinking beer. We really drink beer on this show. This is for you. This is for you, the listener. <laughs> and so we, I had eight before this. So hell yeah, d- excellent. excellent. Only yeah. I'm catching up. <laughs> I'm getting to it. Uh, so uh, let's go guess first. Uh, what do you have, uh, Danny? Uh, so I grabbed the Baltic Porter from Wolf's Ridge. 
Uh, I'd like to do a quick shout out to Higher Gravity Summit Park. Thank you for having the Sonner Brewing Hefeweizen on tap. Mm-hmm. It is delicious. You made a great choice. I had one at work before coming here. Um, but the craft beer nerd in me did take over. And uh, I still like to be that guy that tries other folks' beers from time to time. And this one's really good. Yeah. I was actually at their tap room on Saturday. Oh, nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, nice. I have yet to. What did you have there? Uh, when I was Hopefully some dank ass food when i was that we didn't eat uh, okay. no. i i was so my my parents brother and i will meet in columbus for lunch every once in a while just because it's it's easy it's like an hour and a half for both of us and mm-hmm. get in and out um but then we went and got food but then uh my girlfriend and i went to a couple of breweries in between before we headed home uh so when we were there i had the pilsner um i had the was it hazy no. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> I had the Swing Easy, which is the lemonade and iced tea ale. Ooh, that sounds good. And then I had... If only someone around here made something like that. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> no comment. Um, and then I can't remember what the uh, third beer was, but I, I when I'm in Columbus, I make sure to stop in Wolf's Ridge. I think their beer is really, really good. I have to ask the, what other breweries you went to while you were up there. So we just did Wolf's Ridge, and then I want to say it's pronounced Gamut. Oh yeah, is yeah. That, is, is that correct pronunciation? Uh, I had not been there. Yeah. Um, I believe the tap room is an old church. No. Firehouse. Oh, firehouse. What was up with the stained glass then? Oh, okay. That's producer David in the background. Yes. I assumed the stained glass was because it was previously a church. It kind of had a churchy feel to it. Um, but the beer was fantastic. All traditional German style beers. Um, I had a Helles that was great. I had a Pilsner that was great, and a Hefeweizen that was great. So. Uh, it actually reminded me, uh, I was in Kansas City a couple weeks ago. I went to KC Beer Company, which is another brewery that only does traditional style beers. Uh, folks, you can get away with geeky German style beers and craft beer. It can be done. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Good nice. stuff. I agree as well. Awesome. Marco, what do you have? Uh, speaking of, I have Rothaus Pills. Uh, it's nice. a always a good choice. German always a good Pilsner. choice. Agreed. Julia? Uh, some guy just bought my beer for me. Um, well, picked my beer for me. I, I might still be paying for it. I have no idea. <laughs> no no clue whose tab this one <laughs> went on. Uh, Streetside's Raspberry Beret, which I haven't had the standard Raspberry Beret in a while. And it's just as amazing as as it always is. That beer feels like it has a uh, like Cincinnati legendary feel to it at this point. I, hope I would that, agree. I hope they, cons- they continue to bring that out. It's not, it's not year-round for them, is it? No. I think they bring it out during the summer months. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an excellent choice. Which is perfect. Oh, absolutely. my God, yeah. Absolutely. It's a fantastic beer. I hope it continues to come around. Man, we are incredibly lucky to live where we live. We are. To have so many amazing beers that are either made here in Cincinnati or are so close, like Columbus with Wolf's Ridge, mm-hmm. or to be able to bring in stuff, you know, Rodhouse Pills. I don't know. We've, we've got it made. It's a great time in craft beer. Um, Agreed. It's a great time to be a craft beer consumer. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that more than the other, the, or the, <laughs> the latter that I just said. I mean, there's been, yeah, I don't know if we want to get into it, but uh, anyways, uh, market, industries, ebbs, flows, whatever. So here's something that, that I'll say. We have just, you know, in, in uh, the interest of time and all that, we have one podcast to cover today. 
Yep. But then there was some more national or macro beer talk that we wanted to bring up with Danny because yeah, it's I, always I was, amazing to talk to you about. I was given reading stuff. materials before yes, this podcast. Yes, we're like you need to you need to listen to this. I studied up. I'm ready. Well, you did yeah. more than we Hell did. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I took notes. I, I don't see it. I don't see notes in front of Danny. No, mine. I don't need them. They're all up notes. here. That's true. That's true. Steel trap up here. All right. So this week we are talking about once again the craft parenting podcast. They have been killing it with the beer focused episodes. Congratulations. It's amazing. They are counting down to episode 100, which God help us all when that comes out on May the 4th. Why, Julia? Be with you. Because a bunch of us were on it and we drank a lot of beers. Or, as our good friend Danny says. You had beers. We had beers. I I need to get that tattooed on there. (laughs) I screwed up. I should have wore that shirt today. You should have. That would have been. I had a meeting earlier today, though. (laughs) You would have worn that underneath whatever you are currently wearing. Uh, But anyway, this is. Am I getting royalties from that shirt? Uh, I could probably get you a shirt. (laughs) That could work. We can call it either. We can figure this out. Uh, This is episode 96, Triple Digit Imperial Stouts, which came out on uh, the week, our recording week. April 18th, we are like two weeks behind with Craft Parenting Podcast right. just because of, of stuff. Um, Look, it's life, all right? It Everyone? is. It is. It's cool. So Craft Parenting Pod, we will get to all of your episodes. You know this. We love you guys. Uh, we're just a little bit uh, behind because I forgot to listen to this one last time, and so we are playing catch up. All right. They drank three triple-digit Imperial Stouts, which... They were having a good time I got by a the ki- end of the episode. I got a kick out of the conversation about like what imperial means. Yes. <laughs> because this was a like mental conversation I had when I first came on to Sonder. Like in my brain, I was like, yeah, beer styles totally matter. You know, like what people put on the can is what it represents. And it, it's all BS. Like, well, it's like every style has like a huge spectrum as to what exactly beer, that style could could be. Some style, or not. well, some styles. Beer styles are the fakest thing of all time. It like it, so they're it's, like IBUs. It's all purely marketing. We don't even publish IBUs because um, <laughs> they're fake and don't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's an irrelevant scale. Um, oh, well, our our producer is just. Well, but the other thing it does is it automatically uh, to a lot of people that think they actually know what IBU means, it completely turns somebody off to mm-hmm. a beer. Well, same for styles. From trying it. Right. right. And same yes, to be said exactly. of a style. Exactly. Same for styles. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Styles are, I mean, so so funny enough for Sonder, what you see on the front of our cans is often very different from what you see on the small print on the side of the cans because for a TTB perspective, you need to follow their guidelines, but oftentimes it's like, this is an ale. Or, like, this is a lager. But, like, you know, we joke that Nocturnal has, like, three different style names on it because <laughs> we want all three of those consumers to drink the beer, you know? so Which, it's a phenomenal beer. If you're not drinking it, you should be. It's a great beer. Yes. But it was just so funny to hear them talk about, like, what Imperial means. It's in your it's top just, five? It's just, like, more not stuff. Not in your top five? Uh, it's knocking on the door. It's not top five. Knocking on the okay. door. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, but, yeah, I was just, like, cracking up. It's like, yeah, Imperial means more. It's like, yes. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. They actually had a very technical term or phrase for what makes something an imperial style. Mm-hmm. Pooping out alcohol. Well, yeah, Which, they were they were talking about the 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 process of brewing, correct? Right? Yes. And it's the, yes. The pooping out or the farting out of, of the alcohol <laughs> with the yeast. It's not not process. wrong. No, it's not wrong no, at all. No, no. It's, it, no. it's not. Um, but. 
But the phrasing it, they, of it was. Yeah, amazing. and they were just basically explaining that if you put more of grain into what you're making and keeping a certain level of water, then you're going to end up with a um, higher sugar content and then the yeast eat it and then it creates a higher ABV, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Not wrong. Matter of fact, I think if you go way back and listen to or watch um, Sam Calgione's, uh documentary that he did the one season, that's actually how he explains it, uh, where the, the yeast eat and then they fart out alcohol. Nice. So I guess Joe just added some solid information to his descriptor of... Well, that's an imperial. It was a poop joke. Thank you for picking that up. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, so the uh, the three different imperial stouts that they had on this episode, just to kind of get that part covered. Let me guess. One was from West Side. Two were from West Side. Oh, I do, I do love crazy. the West Side energy. Oh my God, it's phenomenal. Absolutely. I said, phenomenal. let me guess. Like I didn't listen. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. So they did the West Side Cold Brew Imperial Stout, which I have had. I think they've released it twice now, and it is Those folks so do great things good. over there. Oh Their my beer God, is yeah. awesome. I love it. I try and stop it. I play disc golf over on the west side at Mount Airy Forest, and I try mm. and stop in every once in a while. It's not nice. enough, but their beer is always really good. Oh. To go on a tangent, I was at a meeting today, mm -hmm. and after the meeting, uh, two of the people were going to go disc golf. and Was Chris one of them? No. <laughs> Bummer. And then the conversation got on to... Uh, well, there better be a, a good bar nearby. And then it became, well, you got to drink while you disc golf. And then one of the guys was like, yo, you got to be careful because there one time this one person went out drinking while disc golfing and somebody was in like a full on ghillie suit just <laughs> waiting for people. Oh, my God. To to bust people drinking while they were disc golfing. I was going to say full can, contact disc golf, but I guess not. Can you imagine the effort to go into the, being a buzzkill? Like, Do they yeah. also go to like golf course, like regular golf courses? Because I well, mean, well, but regular well, golf courses, you're allowed to drink. Yeah. Oh, so are you not? Because it's private well, oh, property. Most of those are I don't, I don't really know what the laws are because like some That's of them are question. on like public property, some of them are like in like public parks. I, I don't know true. what that is, That's but true. I mean. It's fun funny enough, we were disc golfing up in Dayton a couple weeks ago. and On the circuit? On the circuit. And I had a koozie, or I had a koozie around my beer, mm -hmm. and the guy I was playing with did not. And the police officer literally told us, he's like, if you had a koozie on your beer, I wouldn't have stopped. Oh, wow. I was like, so you're just like, like, why, like, really, why did you stop us then? Right. Like, do you really and, feel like and you, And not like, that we're encouraging any illegal activities or frowned upon activities here, but again... Just be smart about what you're doing. That's all yeah, so, I'm going to say. So what is the PSA? It's just be smart about what you're doing. Put a yeah. koozie on it. I was going to say bring a koozie <laughs> bring with you. Koozie. Yes. I did have a really cool moment when we were at Mount Airy the other day. Uh, I was like, I went to toss one of my beers in the trash can, and I saw another Sonder beer empty in the trash can. I looked oh. around. I was like, hey, were any of you guys drinking Sonder? It's like, no. I was like, oh, cool. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. That's awesome. Big in the disc golf community, I guess. Hell there yeah. you go. Sonder. The beer of disc golfers. Hey, I can get. You know that. what? You know what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You currently have divot. You need something for the disc golf side of. Chris and I golf. like normally after a lot of beers have like joked about doing a like 
disc golf tournament that has like kegs and beers and kind of do something around that. Um, we just never. I mean, West Westside has done. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but in the past they've done a. I think it's like a par three golf tournament where oh, nice. every hole there's something different. <laughs> um, there's something different where one of them you have Are to you hit. laughing at a hole joke? Yes, because I'm like 12 mentally. <laughs> like one of the holes you had to hit the golf ball with like a shovel or a oh, baseball nice. bat. Like just completely random fun things. And That's I think awesome. there were certain, certain I, you have to say holes when you're talking about golfing. I'm sorry, Marco. No, there were fine. certain holes that, they, that I think they had like beer stations at. That's awesome. And it sounded like the most fun ever. So something like that with disc golf would also be amazing. I don't know how you would... It, modify that because like I mean when you're golfing yes you can hit the golf ball with different items or you know whatever but I don't know what you can do with disc golf that's why I, that's why be... I, that's why I told Chris I was like I will get people there oh, you yeah. have to figure out how we get beer there and it was like that's our kind of trade-off so we'll see if it happens nice well when that happens I'm gonna say when I'm speaking it into the universe mm. I suck at throwing frisbees but I will be there you can learn we can I will you. be there Abs- I'm in I'm in uh, kind of getting back to the other two triple-digit Imperial Stouts that they drank, uh, another Westside beer, their Lena Lou, Lena Lau Cherry uh, Imperial Stout. I have no idea how to pronounce it. L-E-E-L-A-N-A-U. I, I guess it's a type of cherry or a cherry from a specific region. We, we No idea. I, I try my best. It's a Michigan variant of cherries, cherry? I believe. Okay. I, okay. I believe we've used them before, but I... Don't also quote don't me know. on how to pronounce that, yeah. <laughs> if you can do anything better than what I just tried to do, we'll go with whatever you I'm always like a, like a hooked on phonics guy. It's like, how do I like, like break, break it this apart. word yeah, up? Yeah. Yeah. I guess the emphasis goes on this syllable and maybe it'll be right. <laughs> yeah. No idea. Uh, and also from Royal Docks Brewing, their Vlad Imperial Stout, which I've had before and is... Very good, but it will put you on your ass in no time. It's like a 13% beer. Does Fretboard <laughs> need to hop on the phone and figure out uh, who's got claim? Yeah, I, I, just because they're they're local and I love Fretboard, I would say I would want to give them the nod on that one. Like, no, 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 you guys totally have this. I don't know how long Royal Doc's been around. Well, there's I a lot of legality know. to it. Like, who sure. had it first? Like, do you distribute it in the same areas? Mm-hmm. Like, all that kind of stuff kind of plays into it. And yeah, you also and have I to, like, actually file for the trademarks. I don't know who's got it, but right. I could also see Vlad maybe potentially being one of those where it's like, you can't technically trademark right. it. Right, it's more of... Um, than someone's uh, name. So. What's the... I'm, I'm blanking. Um... When, uh, like, not common domain, public domain. Maybe it's something that's similar to where. Yeah, I'm not quite again, sure how it's that like works. You, you can't trademark it because it just, like, Kleenex tissues, that kind of stuff. It's I was going to save this joke it. for when we talk about Miller High Life, but I read three <laughs> articles today, so I'm basically a lawyer. So. Well, yeah, there you go. Very good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I read it on the internet. Yeah. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. I was going to say. I don't know why anyone <laughs> goes to law school. I did the same thing today in three hours. <laughs> Uh, let's see. What else did they talk about in this episode? Um, they talked about what's, what beer styles not to cellar, which yeah. was kind of surprising. Uh, apparently, you're supposed to cellar IPAs, which they actually talked about in their West Coast IPA episode that we'll talk about next week. So if you have an IPA, cellar that shit. It gets better with age. No questions asked. I, Marco has his hands over his eyes. He is in disbelief right now. But you listen to the. I, I would like too. to go on record for saying I do not condone that. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you like drinking really crappy hot water. 
Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, to each their own. Whatever. <laughs> we do not beer shame. No. But well, but we will side eye if you, you tell and me judge they, silently. If you tell me silently. you're selling IPAs, <laughs> we're gonna have to have a conversation about what you feel like that's gonna do for the good of your. Beer. What about Dude, someone who's got a four or five year vertical of Voss? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's. I mean. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, if you like. <laughs> One, if you got your hands on a five-year Voss, that'd be incredible. Uh, we didn't make Voss five years ago. Right. Um, well, that's the thing, yeah. But, so where uh, the hell did I get that can from then? Right. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> if you find a Kolsch that drinks good after five years, I'm, I would shake that brewer's hand. Nice. Actually, nice. mostly their packaging line. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. But, that's, that, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was in a can in my beer fridge, the very back of the beer fridge, and I didn't remember it until five years later. Oh, man. <laughs> I even I have like some, some lunch meat go green, <laughs> like slimy, and it's slimed on it, and I just rinse the can oh. off, and it's fine. Oh. I have like some dry hop sours in my like cellar that I worry about sometimes. I was like, I don't even want to sit I don't even know if I want to open it to see what's going to happen right. when the cap comes off. Speaking of that, that kind of leads into a little bit of science, you know, like what happens when beer, beers age. Joe tried to science in this episode. Sciencing is hard. Sciencing is very hard. I tried it, and now I have a shattered glass because I tried to science the way uh, science. that Joe scienced. So thank you, Joe, for that. And I didn't have to bandage my hands, so that that's... Net that's gain, good. I suppose. That's good. Rub I some learned dirt something. On it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Walk it off. Yeah. Just just walk it off. It's fine. Yeah. Perfectly fine. That heals all your wounds. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Which what? you can't rub it without the dirt, though. Mm. <laughs> Correct. Because if you rub it True. without the dirt, True. it's like you're hurt. But when you rub it with the dirt, it's like it it it's fine. Yeah. So this was the point of the podcast where I feel like all those beers started to hit mm. a little hard because they started going off on some tangents and oh, going down some rancid rabbit holes. And it was a lot of fun to listen to. <laughs> like, no doubt about that. Well, One of the first things... Go ahead, Marco. What was clear is they were having fun. And oh, I think that's yeah. a big deal, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. Caroline yeah. talked about skipping class because she had too many beers in between. Relatable. <laughs> yep. Been yeah. there. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, they talked about how, well, I think this is more of a Joe conversation, how editing of shows, now that we're more in a digital age, is getting ridiculous. Leave the Starbucks cup in the Game of Thrones episode. Like, don't edit it out. Like, you guys made a mistake. Own it and just let it be in there instead of editing it out. Which I, Which part of me agrees with because some of the fun of watching some older movies is finding those little things where it's like, oh, hey, you know, there's a guy, you know. Well, and that then they said blue jeans in The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a thing. They but, edited it out once people like started going, oh, hey, we saw this guy wearing blue jeans standing in the background of mm. one of the scenes. Disney or whoever, you know, probably Just wasn't Disney, say, whoever bring did back it. Mandalorian, by the way. Mm. Uh, technically, they, they did. We're in season three right now. Oh, <laughs> Boba Fett. <laughs> Okay, Bring back okay, Boba Fett. Okay, all right, all right, all right. The end was cool. I mean, right. I mean they, it took them. I mean, the last two episodes were exactly what I wanted every episode of the season to be. Mm -hmm. But anyways, that's a different podcast, different conversation, <laughs> different different episode altogether. But what do you guys think about companies going back and kind of erasing mistakes that they made? Like, do you think that it's more fun and more of a kind of not to? Yep. You saw this. This was our bit. Leave it in, or would you rather them go back and 
edit out the mistakes and all you have is this pristine, perfect I think Danny scene. as a creative probably has a lot of things to say on this subject. Uh, At least a lot of thoughts about it. Um, I am a, it, honestly, it goes a little deep too because it's like, um, you know, people will say things they regret on a, on a live mic or they will post things and I think I, I, when you started talking, I initially was like, I don't know if they should have left that stuff in, but like to me, it's whatever you want to do before it hits the internet, TV, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do prior to that, mm -hmm. I think you are more than capable, um, able to do so without any backlash, right? If, mm -hmm. if no one sees it, no one knew about it, etc. But I kind of agree with, like, the more I thought about it, if it hit airwaves already or if it hit um, TV, I think you almost have to just, like, stand up there and be like, hey, we missed that. We're going right. to leave it. Right. Like, it's now a nugget for you to look if you ever rewatch it. Like, right, right. Kind of like a little Easter egg that even though the entire internet has talked about it so everyone knows what to look for, it's still something that... Because I want to say when I watched that episode, it was before it was edited out, I didn't notice it. And then I'm like, yeah. well, shit, let me go back and kind of see that. But by then they had redone. And I'm kind of, I don't want to say disappointed, but it was like, man, that would have been fun to, it obviously wasn't so obvious and in the way and in your face. Otherwise, everybody would be saying it. It was just a couple people that, you know, maybe were watching it for the 37th time. Right. You know, that day going... Oh, hey, look, there's a little sliver of white over here. How obvious was it? I don't know. To me, it's yeah. like a it's like a miscarriage of, like, you didn't see it when you were editing it. And instead of owning it, you went back, edited it, and tried to pretend like it didn't happen. Made it a bigger deal than it needed a, to be. A Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones, I get it. But I think, like, more on a grander scale of, like, being able to edit and change things that are more impactful and you just... Being able to like wash it away and not own it, I, I don't really care for that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Marco, any any thoughts? I mean, they own the rights to be able to do whatever they want to do with it. One hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. they can. Uh, the bigger question is for societal, you know, the 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 legacy of the show. Does this little uh, Easter egg, as you put it? Should it should it live on in folklore forever? Um, I think we're in the digital age, and and to where somebody can find it if they want to find it. It just won't be in the product that you end up consuming as content uh, if they come back and and you know change it or whatever. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. I mean, things like that used to happen, like when anniversaries of certain you know giant giant motion pictures would happen they would you know remaster and change and give you more content or take out this content or add content that you you just really didn't even freaking need like, right i forget the show i was watching that had extra content in it, and i was like thank you for taking this out of the original because this is fucking terrible <laughs> and, and i wish i remember which which one it was but uh, which show it was, but it was something that I'm sure that if I remember what it was, it, it was a, a pretty a pretty huge movie um, from the past that just had a lot of extra scenes in it that mm -hmm. it was like this this didn't 
this didn't play well at all, we could just move on from this. So yeah. I think they have that right, and obviously they do. Um, but uh, it's pretty it, it's pretty simple in now when you make a mistake, it lives on forever. It's that never, true, ever yeah. gone. That's true. It's so, just so you've got to know where to find it. Right. So does that mistake still need to be present in that same piece of content that same episode of well, whatever I think, or I think when they go and remaster all the Game of Thrones and you know the the, the director team is, is back there giving you their director's cut they can say yeah and hey remember the Starbucks cup this is yeah. where it was at this is where it was this is where it true. is and it can live there you know on a more broader scale too what's better when you make a mistake to just erase it or just come out and own it and apologize or um admit you were wrong or admit you missed something well i think there's a that's a broad spectrum sure. something is something as simple as a starbucks cup is benign uh oh, yeah. something far more uh, th that grabs more attention for you know whatever reason Maybe a one social way or reason another. or something a social like reason sure, or sure. something in you know just the absolute you know uh, forefront of something that is uh an extremely hot topic uh, of the day. I, I think there could be there could be parameters there that you know you would you would maybe want to make right. Yeah, and I don't remember from this episode using you know, the Game of Thrones as the main example of this. I don't remember if HBO or whoever put out any kind of statement like, "Hey, you know, we recognize that there was a miss in editing." And you know, for those of you that saw it, you know, hey, you know, congratulations on having you know eagle eyes and catching whatever. Or we fantastic, have gone back amazing fans. Sure, right. You, you know, know, we've gone back and corrected this. Fan whatever. Base. Right. Or you know, I don't remember if they ever said anything about it, or if it was just someone went, "Hey, I went to try to see it too, and it's gone." And they tried to—I don't want to say cover it up because, again, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter if there's a Starbucks cup in a scene of Game of Thrones or not. It just doesn't. Yeah. But no, I, I kind of agree with that. It's one of those, if you made a mistake, if something was was missed, how you handle that a lot of times will... Really will kind show of your true colors, but yeah, then also yeah. it kind of shows whether you're willing to like take a learning opportunity and you know express that to your fans and mm -hmm. show them, but yeah. Yeah. They talked, uh, they went on a tangent and talked about Harry Potter. They went on a tangent <laughs> yeah. and talked about uh, like a, a podcast with like uh, uh, Magnus yeah. rushes in yeah. the adventure zone oh my yeah. god one it's of like, my favorite like fictional podcasts of all time it's wonderful not it is so wonderful good good for them that they were excited about it I'm glad you're excited about yeah. that uh, the Husker is excited about it as well behind yes. yeah. yeah doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me uh, but I'm <laughs> glad fine. it was something for them yeah so one of the things that they talked about, kind of like well, you were saying Harry Potter, that Danny, I think would be fun to ask you about because you are a voracious reader. The book being better than the movie, is that true in all cases? Or are there some instances to where you thought the movie, the TV adaptation, whatever, maybe kind of checked a few more of those boxes or, or, or was exactly what you expected to see in a visual medium out of that book? I I try to like conceptualize them individually. Where um, uh, I even think about like I remember the first like series of books that I ever read 
that I really enjoy that really kind of got me into reading was like the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was young when those came out. I thoroughly enjoyed reading them. Um, I also enjoyed the movies. But, you, you know, to for me, I think both can be good. That's like, fair. I, yeah. I, it almost feels like one of those things where you have to like pick a side. It's like, ooh, you either like the book <laughs> or you like the movie, right? Like, I think there's a middle ground. We, we can enjoy both, right, and kind of understand what the pros and cons of each are. Like, obviously, you're going to lack details in a movie setting. You're also going to be like visually more. Uh, visually, you're going to enjoy it more because they're doing a lot of the legwork for you of like showing you what these characters are like mm-hmm. and what the facial expressions were and how people acted. But the book gives you the opportunity to kind of use your creative abilities and like understand those on your own and like build your own characters in your brain. So I don't know. I, I, I'm never one to like. So I, when Harry Potter was coming out, um, I was really young for one, two, and three. So I actually saw one, two, and three, the movies first. And then I read four, five, six, and seven before those corresponding movies came out so i kind of already had like the mental pictures in my head for the books before the movies um now i i'm typically like i'm to the point where if i see that a movie or show is coming out based on a book Mm -hmm. i will try to read the book first just to like get the experience of hey this is what the author truly wanted it to feel like and then this is how it was adapted um so i just enjoy that process more than the idea of like figuring out if I like one more than the other. Um, My weird take is that like Game of Thrones, like people crap on that last season. The book, right. The the ending didn't even exist. Right. I do not fault the screenwriters for that at all. Those two guys were hired to adapt books to a TV show. Right. They were not hired to create an ending that was supposed to have like a billion different loose ends tied up (laughs) into one final season like that's not on them that they didn't you know land the plane that they were never dry or that they were never flying right yeah yeah the the dude just needs to finish the series write the book dude (laughs) write the freaking book i have mentally erased his name from my brain i can't even think it off the top of my head martin write the book dude (laughs) write the freaking book i don't don't think he's ever going to i think that he just goes to dead shows He's the worst. <laughs> I hate that guy. I mean, he just travels yeah, like dead I, shows. Well, Write I, the how, book. How? But what kind of pressure is he under? Because whatever he writes, almost, I feel like he would have the pressure that it would have to mirror what has been displayed on TV and not what he actually felt the ending should be. My know? guy had full opportunity to write the book. This is Those true. books have been this out for forever. You're not wrong. You're the, not my wrong. My guy had full opportunity to write the book and... You know, tie up the billion loose ends mm-hmm. that his books created, <laughs> and he didn't take that opportunity. That's on him. Yeah, my, my I have no sympathy for him. My take on it is it's pretty similar. I mean, you kind of have to take each book to movie, book to TV show, whatever adaptation on its own. Mm-hmm. Um, Shawshank Redemption. Brilliant. Never read that book, oh, but good movie. Br- brilliant book, and the movie was just as good. Like to me, that's one of those. Were they was the the movie spot on to the book or really the short story? Mm-hmm. No, but it still captured all of the feelings of that book. To where I'm like, yeah, not everything was exact, but you still got those same emotions, that same feeling. They didn't 
completely change the ending just because this ending is going to look better on a screen than the words on the page. But when but comparatively, uh, the Jack Reacher series mm. from, from Lee Child. I read those books. I love that series. Oh, How so are you good. ever going to adapt that to a show, though? They actually did a decent... Was it Amazon Prime or Netflix? I think it might have been I Amazon Prime. I think it's Amazon Prime. Prime, yeah. So the first time that they tried to do that was a movie with Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. The books, Reacher is this ginormous, like, eight-foot-tall, 300-pound... Not eight-foot-tall, but, you know, exaggerating. Yeah. He is a gigantic dude. They cast Tom Cruise as him, and I'm like... He's like 5'6". Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm going... I, I, I try not to even acknowledge that the Tom Cruise version exists. I'm like... Every single part of that series focuses on how gigantic Reacher is. Well, the TV the TV series I thought was really entertaining. Yeah, the the Amazon Prime show I thought mm -hmm. it, it. I don't feel like it checked every box as far as you know. But again, book to movie adaptation, you're not mm -hmm. going to. But the key things, the way Reacher looks, his huge imposing presence. It was I'm the like, guy from uh, Blue Mountain what? State, which was really funny. Yeah, Did you guys I'm, ever watch that? Uh, I saw a little bit of no, it, not, not all of it. it I mean, it's like, it, it's a wild show, and it's very entertaining, but uh, don't let your kids watch it. <laughs> Good to know. But, but yeah, I felt that the, that the Prime adaptation, if nothing else, just visually as far as the characters, or at least the main character who Lee Child has always put such a focus on his stature... I'm like, this is what I want to watch. Some gigantic dude, not Tom Cruise, who is a great action uh, actor. There's no question about that. But you can't put, you know, a four foot two person in a movie. Like, let's say Game of Thrones. Say you put Peter Dinklage as the mountain. You, you just can't make that work. There yeah. is no way to make that work if you've read the books and you know the, the image that the author wants you to have of that person. I'm with you. Yeah. So it was fun. Marco's just kind of like, can we talk about something else? <laughs> Only read a few books. All good. Marco, All if good. you want to get out of here, Julia and I can hang out. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. No kidding. <laughs> we, we, we got this. We got this. A couple of movies I've seen about that book. Got it right on. Got it right there on you go. with the book. There you, you know. go. You know, guy comes along, guy dies, guy comes back three days later. You know, it's pretty interesting. Nice. People still take that one pretty literally, too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Very literally. Certain segments of it, very, mm -hmm. very yeah. literally. Yeah. Uh, only had a couple other notes on this episode. And then, Marka, you need another beer. Danny, you're almost done. And we have a couple of other non-podcast things that we yes. want to talk about. Yes. Uh, last notes that I had is Joe thinks that drinking 13% beers when you have kids is a bad idea. I think it could be a great idea. You just have to figure out. Uh, yeah, I don't see the problem there. It the goes back to my no timing. beer shaming. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And they had this week. From a parent who had to drive a child to an emergency room, or at least be in the passenger seat when my wife drove us to the emergency room. Uh, just, you know, do you. Make sure bro. you have a game plan. Yeah, just do you. It's there fine. You yeah. In this episode of the Craft Parenting Podcast, they had more burps than that week's episode of Shift Beers. That's true. Yeah. yeah you got to stick yeah. with it to the end, though. It's true. You really do, because they make some very big revelations on that point. All in all, yeah. episode 96 of the Craft Parenting Podcast, triple-digit Imperial Stouts. It's a lot of fun. You can definitely tell when the beers hit, and they have some great conversations because of it. So 
again, check Good it stuff. out. Nothing we wrong love with it. That. Uh, we're going to take a quick break so that we can get some more beers, and then we're going to talk disc golf and some uh, new macro beer stories that came out over just the last couple of days. Let's do it. Let's Good do thing it. I got my law degree today. Hell yeah. All right, we have managed to make it back. And I'm still working on my raspberry beret because I'm a slow-ass drinker. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, but Danny and Marco, you both have fresh glasses of beer. Uh, Danny, what uh, what are you enjoying right now? I got the uh, Schwarz beer from Streetside. Nice, the Nasdravi. I love that one. Is that how so you say much. it? I was nervous to say it. Nasdravi, yes. It's well, good. that's that's how I say it. I believe that's correct. Love it. Streetside, you know where to find us. Let me know if I'm doing that completely wrong. But uh, it, it sounds right. So. I think you're right. Yeah, I I, I most often am. No, not at all. And Marco, what about you? Uh, Morelos from Rheingeist. It is a cerveza con limón. It is that uh, season. Lager with natural flavors. And let's see. Uh, fresh squeezed uh, toasted malts, heather honey, fresh squeezed lime. Mm, okay. Medium body, smooth. I'm reading the can. Yeah. 4.8%. <laughs> All right. And what do you think? It's a fine beer. It's good. All right. All right. Well, we have some non podcast stuff that we wanted to talk about. Um, and yeah. Dan- and Danny, as our guest, would you like to talk about disc golf, high life, or Heineken first? Ooh, I'm ready for the high life conversation. All right, let's right, jump let's into that one. So there was a news article recently that Belgium has destroyed, I don't know how many cans, but a whole bunch of high life, which as we know is the champagne of beers, uh-huh. because they di- they disagree with the fact that they have champagne as part of their slogan. Uh-huh. Now, again, there's more to it than that, but my first thought when I read the article is... The champagne of beers has been a slogan for a very, very long time. Why are why is Belgium just now starting to take offense to it? I have an answer for you. All right. Um, so uh, Miller has never uh, imported beer to Europe before. Okay. So you you can't get Miller Coors products in Europe. Um, I also found out that um, there are certain things that uh, it's similar to beer. Like when you see like Pilsners, for example, when someone says you have a German style Pilsner, you have to actually say the phrase German style. And not because you have a Pilsner. Because it's not a Pilsner made in Germany, right? Okay. Um, So champagne has to be made in the Champagne region of France. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple other examples like that. There's a uh, type of olive oil that has to be made in Greece. Um, there's a type of paprika that has to be made in Spain. It's well, there's Parmigiana ro, uh, ro. Oh shoot, I don't remember the full name. Reggiano. But the type of Parmesan cheese that has to be made in a certain region of Italy. Correct. Sure. So um, for for it to be called champagne, it has to be made in the Champagne region of France. Mm-hmm. Um, the United Nation or the European Union, sorry, the European Union actually deems anything. So that's why this came into play. They actually deemed Miller High Life as um, what is the correct word I'm looking for? Uh, counterfeit champagne. So when it came through customs, they saw the word champagne on there and deemed it as counterfeit champagne. 
and dumped all of it. So they've never actually had that product come through their borders before. Interesting. Okay. And it was customs that found it and deemed it counterfeit. And so Belgium went, we can't have a counterfeit champagne. Ditched it. So, but... Am I getting too in the weeds to to ask? Don't they have to apply for approval from where they're sending that beer to? And, I mean... I know in the United States, it's state to state, but we're not talking the United States. We're talking about another country altogether. Miller Coors claims to have not known about that shipment. It wasn't coming from them. Well, who the Some distributor. They, they didn't disclose that, and apparently the person that was supposed to be receiving it was told and ended up being fine with it. So I don't, I don't know the... Um, the exact whereabouts of like where it was coming from and where it was going, but who knew what? I do just know that the reasoning for it was because they and it's not it's not that this is a one-time thing that they dumped a bunch of mm. high life cans. They find counterfeit sure. items that are claiming to be made from Champagne, France, right. that aren't actually made there, and then they dump it to not be uh so that you're not false advertising to folks right and i guess my i don't want to say my issue with it because it's certainly not but i guess my the way that i look at it if you and and again it could be you know language barrier it could be the way that they interpret the english the champagne of beers into you know into france into french into you know whatever to me that's like a compliment like hey we are you know our beer is like the pinnacle of this of this beverage, this alcoholic beverage from another place. They do not see of, that way. Right, oh, obviously, they, but it's but. I think the phrase they used in the article yeah. was like, "This is like the epitome of like lowbrow alcohol consumption in America, or something like." that. I mean, not wrong. They, <laughs> they were they were not having it. They're like, we no, don't want this bullshit no. in our country. We're dumping it. I wonder what kind of conversations, <laughs> if any. You know, I love Highway for the record. Like, if it was sure, yeah, you yeah. just come out and say it exactly that way. Like, <laughs> I don't want this bullshit. We don't want country. this bullshit in our country. I think that's that I, be, I, yeah. off the record. I think that's what they were saying. Well, it could have been like, oh god, we thought we were getting some Sonder beers, and instead we got highlight. <laughs> what the hell is this? Okay, but we can't just flat out destroy it. We have to have like a reason for it. Oh, the word champagne is on the is on the can, the bottle, whatever they got. We're destroying it for fraud, which, eh, you know, I don't know. I just I was very it's so in- weird. It's, it is the it's champagne the of beers thing. was a very strange thing. I mean, I grew up obviously knowing that that was their slogan. The right. champagne of beers is just a weird thing to claim. I, I, it's like I all feel. of a sudden work though. I remember I was at O'Malley's in the alley for New Year's. Uh, oh, I love that place. Yeah, it, oh, it had to have been you. five or six years ago. And they came out with like 10 ounce high life bottles before New Year's. And like that was their version of like a toast at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also have like, I don't I don't even know what how many ounces there, but they have like the champagne bottle size oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. bottles of High Life. Yeah. Those things are fucking awesome. O'Malley's in the alley. That's downtown. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's like smack yeah. in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it's I like used to park in that parking garage yeah. right across from that alley when I when I used to work for a company that used to be in one of those giant buildings nice. uh, there and I would have to go to meetings. I would park in that parking garage and I would take that alley and I was like, O'Malley's in the alley. What the fuck so is this? Good. Well, it's weird too because it's um, 
the like alley side is O'Malley's in the alley. It's like a German pub. And then the side facing, um, what was that, Pete Rose Way there or whatever? Uh, it's like, so. like a DJ bar. They have like a right, DJ right. on Fridays and stuff like that. It's just like two very different bars. But uh, a friend of ours told us that they don't get a big crowd on New Year's. And we weren't looking to like go somewhere where it was busy. So I was like, oh, we can go to a bar and get a booth and hang out on New Year's Eve. Yeah, uh, yeah sign us absolutely. up. So it was great. But um, yeah, I... If you see me at a dive bar, I'm probably drinking a Miller High Life. So nice. Uh, I was a little bummed to hear that they poured it all out, but it was really funny to find out that they did it because they thought it was counterfeit champagne. Agreed. Let's Agreed. get a High Life. Sure. sure. I mean, after sure. this, let's do that. Yeah. But, but didn't you cover this in Sonder Stories? Are you a uh, uh, a banquet guy? I do love Coors Banquet. I think if Coors Banquets were more available, that's why I would be often consuming. Yeah. But like most bars around here have High Life, so that's more than it's not even like a second option for me. It's just a really good okay. alternative. So, what would Sonder do if, say, even another state, not even just say another country, but if another state, you know, released whatever product? And let's just say something different than like a beer or seltzer, which Sonder makes. Let's say someone put out a wine and they said, this is the Sonder of wines. <laughs> Do you think that, and I, I know this is a stretch, but this is how ridiculous this is to me. If someone put out, you know, this is the Sonder, the Sonder of wines. Do you think that Sonder ownership I know would have an issue. You know what I mean? Like I know where you're going with it, where yeah, you, view it's it, weird. you view it as a compliment. I, on the other hand, sure. you do not want my name tied to anything that we okay. didn't make. And that's and that's perfectly. And that's fair. probably where <coughs> Northern Brown. Is, <coughs> it's it's not it's not just a company. It's a whole style True. that's identified by a region. True. Which yes. Which gets people's uh, your your. You're speaking about a, a region, and then people identify with that. It's a bigger than the product itself. But you, can, but you know what? That descriptor that you just said, like, you know, a, a region, a whole thing of it, you could say that for either high life or champagne. Like, that fits both sides, I feel like. If you think deep uh, enough about it, or maybe I'm high, going too high, far high, down high, the road. High, high life is brewed at probably seven or eight different locations sure. across the country right i think the whole sure. thing i and i i am like the farthest thing from a wine kind of store but like <laughs> to my knowledge um the champagne region of france mm -hmm. is built to uh their grapes are built to make that style the best right so you, yeah champagne can be made elsewhere but you have to call it Sparkling, sparkling white wine, wine exactly whatever, right yeah so it's, it's there's a different name to it so but that was interesting how you said you know you wouldn't want the sonder name being tied to something that wasn't any type of sonder product which again for someone that's not tied to any brand and you know whatever that gives me a different perspective on it i still think it was a little uh overzealous of belgium to just you know flat out do that but looking at it with that different lens that you just gave me it's like okay well i i guess it's i, I don't it's far more complicated than sure, that if, yeah yeah if, if miller coors didn't send it to him who did who was sending it to him? there there's Michael some from medina did you do this there's some pieces <laughs> there's, there's some pieces to this story that i don't quite know have come out yet but 
And when I joke about like doing my extra research, I literally just found one other article from the New York Times that kind of detailed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like what I found out was how much the EU cares about um, like the respect of um, things like that, you know, like champagne being made in the champagne region of France, like mm-hmm. how seriously they take the idea of like a counterfeit item coming into their market, you know? So I, like, I kind of respected that. it, and I, I do kind of stand by that point of, um, though it is a compliment, I, I wouldn't want anyone to profit off of my, and I'm saying my, I don't own Sonder, I'm merely just the social media guy, but um, the I, I wouldn't want other people marketing their product or their brand off of what is our brand and what we worked so hard for to build up, right? Yeah, so, so I, I kind of, I, I think I'm on the EU side here, funny enough. Well, I, I think, I, I think oh, okay, so let's put it in other terms that I think might be more relatable. Uh, we have the XFL playoffs about to start. Yes. If one of the teams said that they were the Dallas Cowboys of the XFL and that was their actual slogan, the Dallas Cowboys would have a problem with that. Oh, yes. Yes. I don't know. I would I, think that that would be kind of a compliment. Like, hey, someone better no, than us is no, playing in the championship. No, absolutely yeah, no. not. You're still in the same <laughs> realm. You still think yeah. it's a compliment. Sure. Like, yeah. no. You that would I was trying to, I was trying to make a fly. joke about them saying, man, they're act- someone that's using our name is actually doing better than we ever had. <laughs> well, than we have in a very, very long time. Yeah. Three years, I was tra- Yeah, I was trying to make That's a great a analogy, but, but though. Like, yeah, that that no, would never fly. No. And And this is what I love about having people from different areas of the beer industry sit with us. You know, you, you know, Michael from Adina and just all the other people, you know, the gnome from a perspective of someone that is so incredibly ingrained in the craft beer community. These are things that I wouldn't think of because they're not part of kind of my everyday, my in and out. But now that you say that, it's like, okay, now I can kind of get an idea of what they're looking at because it's just not something that I considered when I first read the article. You know, I'm kind of like, you, you do you, but I kind of rolled my eyes and went, they, they didn't, they're not saying that they're champagne, so okay, whatever, but now it's... Are you it's telling so me cool. that you had an opinion on something, got more information, and then changed your opinion on said cause? Shit, I did say That's that, wild. <laughs> That doesn't happen a whole lot nowadays. That's crazy. That that's you, what beer does, man. You that's have what beer does. Supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. Man, if only people listen to each other more, we'd oh, be man, we'd be, be in a great society. Awesome. I yeah. need to stop doing that though, because damn it, my, my initial thought is the way it should be. I, I haven't seen I haven't seen that in real life in a long time. Where like you're having a conversation with someone and they get new information. It's like, oh, like, oh, you, oh, you know what? Okay. I should probably change my perspective on that. Who would have thought? Yeah. I love that about you, yeah. Julia. <laughs> Thank you. Chili is awesome. Yeah. I do. And that's why I like learning things and just asking questions. Like, yeah, I may never actually be in the same room that actual brewing is happening in. But it's cool to try to, like, talk to people and, like, understand the process. Or, well, what does this mean to you? Or how do you see this situation, this scenario? Because, again, I only, as, you know, air quotes, you know, an, an outsider to the industry... I know how I perceive things as a pure consumer, and it's so cool to see, well, when you're actually in the thick of it, what is it actually like for you? Because it doesn't impact me any either way. If someone released a wine that said the Sonder of Wines, 
I would go, oh, that's a comp. You know, to me, it's it probably a really great wine, right? Wine, yeah, wine. I totally get that perspective too. But it's someone just someone that's so ingrained in a brand. It's completely different. You're profiteering you know? yeah. off of someone else's brand. I kind of view Which that I too. Right, right. Um, you know, I, I always get pretty frustrated when people. Um, I always think of like pride as an example where people will like change their Facebook icons to the rainbow, but mm-hmm. then not actually contribute to LGBTQ plus mm-hmm. causes. So it's like, so you're just kind of doing this for the clout, right? But then right. like the actual actions that you're doing don't mm-hmm. reflect don't that. Don't reflect any of it, sure. Yeah, yeah, I always think that's bullshit. It's like you shouldn't be profiteering off of these causes. You should be benefiting them and working with them, mm-hmm. you know? So it's kind of where my brain goes to that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I will say like some of the thing, and again, not that I'm, you know, in the public light, just like a brand would be for, you know, Pride is the example, you know, for Pride and stuff, sure, I'll change stuff, but my every day is supporting that cause. I'm just making it a little more known during, you know, the time where you're trying to bring more awareness to it. 100%. So, yeah. But that's really cool. Yeah, I, I never, I don't want to say I never would have thought that, uh, the, like again, what I would consider as like a compliment towards something else could be seen as a non-compliment, but I, think I, 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 I get I, it right. I don't I, know if it's not a non-compliment. I was going to say, I think, yeah, it, I think yeah, it, bro, yeah, I think it absolutely is a compliment. It's just um, uh, it, the Champagne region of France has done all of the marketing, PR, everything they need to do for people to know that. Hey, if you want real champagne, it comes from this region. They don't need um, other sparkling wines to come out and well, you even know, just to make the word champagne mean something. Mm-hmm. Even something as I say, simple. It's you know not simple. You'd be diluting it otherwise. Sure, right, yeah. right. I, That's cool. I don't. I don't want to compare or cross categorize some things. I'm still kind of stuck on the fact that they got an alcohol product there that was not going to go through for any particular reason. And, uh, you know, the, someone the, checked the box in, when in they the shouldn't business, have checked Danny the box. Knows that there's a yeah. lot of hoops you got to go through. Oh my God. There's a lot a of billion of, hoops. There's a lot of regulation. And, 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 and I have no idea what, let's say a product that you can get on a shelf. You can get, you can get uh, a beer on a shelf at, at Walmart and you can get ammunition at Walmart. I have no idea what regulations they have to pass, but I know with beer, my God, there's so many steps. <laughs> there are wildly and more regulations on beer, for the record. And um, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not putting it in in one versus the other. But what I'm saying is, to be able to take an alcohol product and ship it somewhere, you have to know that's supposed to that, like the channels should have been done to where that was going to go through. And if it's not Miller Coors that was sending it, who the fuck was sending it? And yeah. how did they not know it was going to go through or not? Th- this is crazy to me, Yeah, that part of the story. I'll send you guys a New York Times article after this, but it, it was a little strange that it, it was clearly the first time this product had ever been tried to get into Belgium mm-hmm. and two it kind of just it, it kind of just sounded like all parties were like all right yeah like it didn't work out we didn't get the Miller High Life we were hoping to but yeah um yeah it would be interesting to kind of try to find exactly where 
that line of communi- that line of communication failed somewhere. I would like Someone to party. Someone didn't get a memo somewhere. I would like to party with the guy that lives in Belgium that was trying to get a uh, case of, or not even a case, a fucking <laughs> a pallet, pallet of high life delivered to Belgium. Yes. Like, yes. I want to party with that guy. That guy knows what yes. he likes, and I want to hang out with yes. him. <laughs> yes. His graduation party is now ruined. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, Damn it, now peace. we got to drink champagne yeah. for the party. Fuck. <laughs> right. Yeah, from the oh, Champagne man. region of France, I'm hoping. Oh, man. Mark, do you need to get another beer before we jump into the next, uh, the yeah. next topic? All right. Yeah. That's a good opportunity for me to go to the bathroom. All right. Let's we'll do be, it. We'll be right back, guys. So we're kind of back, but I might cut this if you need to give context, or are you ready to just kind of run in and we'll just... I mean, you can record, and then we can just... You you can... Use my uh, editing prowess. Yeah. All right, so so Marco, Heineken, what did you show me when I got here today? (laughs) uh, Jeff Allworth. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think he... uh, Beervana. That's his Twitter handle. I think he's at all about... Beer, maybe not. Um, but anyway, sent me some of his stuff before him. So Jeff Allworth, beer writer, Heineken makes a curious pitch. Uh, he received a, a pitch about a new American debut, Heineken Silver. Uh, it's not a, exactly the most cutting edge product on the planet. It's a light beer. So um, basically, it says at four percent ABV. Uh, Heineken Silver is brewed specifically for the American palate with a more accessible flavor profile at 3.2 grams of carbs, 95 calories in a 12-ounce serving. Uh, the press relief, uh, press release, however, is pretty generic beyond that and doesn't add more about what our friends from Amsterdam think that the American palate is. I, I was literally about to say that feels like the biggest like backhanded compliment of all time. It's like, here's this less, <laughs> here's this la- less flavorful version of our beer that's been around for decades so that you American consumers can enjoy it. It gets, it gets worse. It's actually about that. <laughs> As a European beer, Heineken's core offering has a decidedly richer aftertaste and is higher in IBUs than the typical light lager. So in its efforts to expand its footprint in America, Heineken has developed and just launched a light beer recipe for the discerning American palate. Americans' taste in beer is very different from that around the world, and many are looking for a beer that is easy to drink, namely one that is less bitter. When is the uh, launch date of that beer? Mm. Uh, I don't know let's see. I, I mostly was adding that in because I wanted to kind of do it. It's not in there. Let's say it's May 1st of 2023. Sure. Uh, I will bet this table a round of drinks that you will not be able to find that beer in America on May 1st in 2024. <coughs> yeah. I'm checking out Heineken's I website. Agree. I agree. Uh, I guess I've, I've never been like a huge Heineken couple. person. But what I told Marco when he showed me that article, I'm like, I thought Heineken was already just kind of like a lighter. <laughs> I, I feel and like that I, could just be because I'm not yeah. as familiar with it as I am other, you know, macro beers. But. I, I feel like Stella and Heineken are well-crafted beers, and there's consumers for them. I am just not one of sure. them. Um, it's not my cup of tea for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I mean, I understand the, the idea of, like, wanting to boost your sales and come up with a product that you feel like fits the... Uh, desired consumer more um but i just feel like there's so many 
domestic options. There's honestly at this point a lot of craft options for that consumer. Um, the only thing I could really see being successful is if uh, did they say it was like low cal or low carb? Uh, I think it More said low ninety. All right, I think it said ninety five. You may be able to switch some of your Heineken consumers to that beer to, you know, maybe your Heineken consumer. I don't I don't know what the general demographic of it is, but maybe that consumer is getting a bit older. Maybe he's a bit maybe needs to be a bit more health conscious. You could switch them to that instead of losing them. But I don't I don't quite know how many new brand consumers you would get by introducing that to your so portfolio. Three point two grams of carbs. So yeah, it's ninety five calories in yeah. a twelve ounce serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I kind of view that as maybe not necessarily like trying to add consumers to the Heineken portfolio, but keeping the ones that are looking for a more low cal, low carb option. So. My thought is, first of all, um, that's a that's a a very um, crafty way to say Americans don't like real beer, and so fuck you. Uh, but are the, they wrong though? Uh, Probably not. I'd no. like my beer to not be light struck <laughs> by the time I get it. What's the? Oh, that's true. What's what's the number one? Uh, box store beer item? I know the answer. The number one box store beer item. Oh, you to, uh, I'm I'm not going to answer because you told me the answer before we started podcasting. Just just make a random guess then because people don't know that you know the answer. Uh, okay. Uh, let's... <laughs> I'll, I'll cut the... I'll stir the pot. Bud Light. Uh, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, Michelob 24 count bottles. Or no, it might have even been cans. It's cans, I apologize. Uh, Michelob, How dare you? <laughs> right. Uh, Michelob 24-count cans is the... Ultra. No, is the... Yes, Michelob Ultra. Is the number one beer item in the country within box stores. They do $450 million of that item a year. That's a lot. Um, that's a lot of folks that don't really like the taste of beer drinking beer. Yeah. So but it looks like, according to the Heineken website, Heineken Silver actually launched in Europe in 2022. Uh, 19 different markets. Uh, it'll be in Norway, or well, it, it probably already is in Norway. It will also launch in Norway during 2022 for on-trade outlets. So this may already be tried and true in Europe, to where they're like, this is a thing. I, now let's send it to the America. I don't like uh, the... I, I don't like the uh, tone of the "Hey, you're not real beer drinkers." But what I do, what I will say is that this is not without precedence. How many different Budweiser products have come out and are just different ABVs and different filtrations mm-hmm. of the same fucking beer. Yeah. What is what is a Bud Light Silver? What is a Bud Light, you know, Ultra? What, what is all these, what are all these other things? They just filter it to a different degree. They, they water it down to a different degree or less watered down to a different, Bud Light Platinum. I mean, right. this, this the is- The higher ABV version. Yeah, all this those. is no different than just taking your core product and, and, 
stretching it or changing it to a different degree to appeal to a market that wants something less. But what's a typical Heineken? Is it a 5.4 ABV Heineken and now you get a 4.1 Heineken? I mean, if I'm putting myself in the uh, Heineken uh, C-suite shoes, my thought is we are leaking sales to other um, beer makers who are making beer that fits what our consumers are looking for. And that tells me that they have found through research that they're leaking Heineken consumers to items that are lower in ABV, lower in carbs, lower in calories. They're not trying to get more people to drink Heineken by introducing that. They're just trying to keep the Heineken consumers within the Heineken brand is how I view that. That's why you have a billion different bud, consu- uh, bud options because you have Bud Light Platinum for the folks that want a higher B- mm-hmm. ABV item. You have, um, you know, they even have Budweiser Zero at this point, which is supposed to be Budweiser without alcohol. Like, they are trying to Heineken fill- Heineken Zero has been around for a while. Yeah, you're, you're trying to keep those consumers in your portfolio and they're seeing that as a bigger opportunity to put their efforts towards than getting more people to come into their portfolio, getting people to switch from Bud Light to Heineken or Miller Light to Heineken, whatever it is. So that's what that's how my brain works. I just think that their issue isn't with adding that option to folks. I just think there's too many options for it to like really constitute being on a shelf in a Kroger or a beer store or whatever it is, right? You're all of a sudden going to be, because those people evaluate options within the category. So you're going to look at all of your lower ABV, lower calorie, lower carb options. And you're going to see that all these people are drinking Michelob Ultra. I don't need this Heineken option, right? I'm fine losing that consumer because if they're walking through the aisles and they don't see that, they're just going to pick up Michelob Ultra. Well, what I would say is I don't disagree. However... Where's the variety for the Mick Ultra customer? And if there's one Mick Ultra and they have no other option, is Heineken Silver their secondary option? And now do you start to have people splitting off and um, does Mick Ultra lose... 3% 3% of their business because now Heineken Silver is an option at that at that range. Is that consumer looking for options though? I think the consumer would appreciate options, but I don't know how much they really What is that? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think if you offered a I'm not that consumer by the way. I'm not either. Um, if you offered a better alternative then we can have that conversation, right? Of like, oh, I can buy, let's say Heineken, I've never had Heineken Silver. I've had less than three Michelob Ultras in my life. Um, but let's say Heineken Silver offers the same benefits that Michelob Ultra does, low cal, low carb, low ABV, but it's wildly better. Mm-hmm. Then, well, I, then I get it. You might switch to that. Sure. That's that's Miller Lite's whole marketing uh, structure right now is to and say, hey. It's, it's kind of working, too. Hey, uh, <laughs> By the way, one less yeah. carb or one more carb or something like that. Isn't it, that? It's that I don't know. I did, but but it, it's, you it's, see it. You, you see the the guy behind the you know the, the speedway counter or whatever the mm-hmm. the gas station counter is like. You know this one's got you know one more carb and, and way more flavor. Better, yeah. That is I from a marketing guy. That is, uh, 
when you have the galls to like really go at a brand like that, where you're not saying, you're you're not physically saying, oh, this is better than that, but you're insinuating it with everything that you have in your commercial. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I I, sure. oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that I could do it myself. I you will never see. Uh, as long as I'm at the helm of Sonder social media, you will never see me attacking another brand. I will always be building up ours and let you make the choice. Um, but when you're in an insanely competitive market like that and you have, and you're so confident in your product that like, hey, put this side by side, my product only has one more carb than this competitor, but the taste is wildly better. If you have the galls to do that, I, I respect it. Um, I'm going to step out and say they're right. They're 100% right. Yeah. They're, they're 100% right. right. I, I have a, a buddy of mine who, for the past two years or more, uh, the by volume, the beer he drinks is uh, Mick Ultra. And it's a lifestyle choice, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, also his food and diet and all that other stuff. I get mad. Uh, like I was, uh, I was watching a, a a Buckeyes game with him. Like we had a few of us at his house. I was three beers deep, and I looked at him. He's like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "I am mad right now." He's like, "What?" And I was like, "This beer tastes like nothing. I've had three beers. There's literally like it. It tastes like zero. I have zero buzz. What the hell are you doing with this beer? Why? Why is this even?" A thing, and he's like, "What are you talking about? It's crispy." I'm like, get the fuck out of here with this crispy shit. I you in your crispy nuts. I, I, I have some friends in Chicago that they call them uh, GTLFs. Uh, great taste, less filling is like the Miller Lite slogan. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll take uh, two GTLFs, please. I kind of like it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not drinking that genre of beer a ton, but. Uh, I play kickball with some friends on Thursdays, and we do. But we all just order buckets of beers and share. Um, I am often gravitating towards the bucket that has Miller Lite in it over some other options. Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's 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 when the the it, it's an occasion sort of thing, right? And I don't mean a special occasion. I mean it's in the you got a, a fit in to get in occasion, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what you got. For so. me, it's a community thing. It's like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to be the dude that drinks a, uh, IPA when my entire 15 person team is doing buckets of beer, you know, it's, Oh, I want to sure. be, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to be part of the team. Yeah, you're fitting right. in. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's it. For you sure. fit in or fit out. I mean, right. and you fit in. So yeah, I'm into it. Uh, that is funny though. Um, Heineken, I'm rooting for you. Uh, if your Heineken, they can do it, sure. If your Heineken Zero works out, great. And I, I agree with your point, Marco. That um, if if that consumer is seeking a better version, and Heineken Silver is that, I definitely get it. Um, most of the people that I know that drink Michelob Ultra, um, they are doing it because of a lifestyle choice, and they are not looking for that diversity. But that's just my perspective. I'm sure it could be different. Yeah. Julia? Agree. I, I kind of agree with everything that both of you have been saying. It's if you're already happy with the product that you're drinking, whatever it may be, unless you are presented with the opportunity to try whatever the new product is, Heineken Silver in this example, unless you find a single can for purchase somewhere, are you going to buy that six pack, 12 pack, 30 rack, whatever that is, in the off chance that it's that 
one or two percent better than what you already know works for you. A, a, sustain, a sustainable business comes when you get repeat purchasing, right? Right. So like Heineken, and maybe this is their strategy. Who knows? Maybe they just need a bump in sales in 2023 so they're launching this in the United States. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that's the case. It'd be too much work for that. But Which all I've been able to find is it's going to be out in America spring of 2023. They're going to get a great bump in sales when they first launch. Sure. People are going to be like, oh, I'm going to try this. I will be very hesitant to see what it looks like at that repeat purchase range of Mm -hmm. whatever you buy beer at. Maybe it's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, if those sales are still sustainable after that. I firmly believe that. I mean, obviously, we're not that customer, but those uh, Mick Ultra customers... Are, are they going to try it and are they going to like it? And, but that's, right. it's a segment of a segment, right? Like I, yeah. it's, it's, uh, you got to fill niches, but sometimes you don't need options in said niche. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 100%. So should like they have that. just a remastered Heineken? Mm. That, that's the thing. Like it's, it's hard to like look at that decision and bringing that beer over here and faulting them for it. Um, when push comes to shove, you got to sell beer and keep your company going. And if you feel like offering that option gives you that ability to at least give it a shot, it's hard to fault them for that. But um, do I, am I, am I putting stock into that succeeding? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Same, the same company that owns uh, Lagunese, by the way, mm. which has, you know, hoppier options. <laughs> I mean, I commend them for 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 trying, for putting it out there and saying, "Hey, you know what? We feel that we might be eating we our be words here." Sure, so. absolutely. I mean, yeah. maybe we'll see that overtake. You know, instead of cases of Heineken, we'll see Heineken Silver being more prevalent. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's, it's tough though. I mean, yeah. in the market, and maybe Dana can speak to some of this too. But in the market, when we're talking about beer, let's segment it down to craft beer. And the other thing is that. When we talk about the market, we're not the market. The the, the business that we're in, the business that we talk about in the in the podcast, that sort of thing, um, we are not in that market um, because it's cost prohibitive. Like we can't, we, we on the size that we can't we're do at, the numbers that they're doing. We can't get our costs and margins to that point. It's no. not it's not sustainable. That's why. It's the number one beer item in the world in the last year. It's because they do $450 million of it and can get all of their grain costs, their hops costs, all of that down to a a point where it's profitable for them, right? It's a numbers game. It's not a... I, I would be curious to see what their margin is. It can't be high, but when you do, you know... I would have to do the quick math, but like when you do hundreds of thousands of cases like that, it's a numbers game. It's not a profit game. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, I agree with that. But what what the craft is supposed to offer to a guest is a thoughtfully curated beverage that is more flavorful and is representative of what that brewery wants it to be. You know, and and forget what I mean. You're, you're you know whether it's raspberry beret or smooge or you know the 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 you know the the crispiest of of german style pilsner whatever it is it's supposed to be thoughtfully curated 
a very good representation of what that brewery wanted you to have. But there's a cost involved in it. And so we're at a place that's serving, you know, um, a blonde ale at six bucks, uh, imported German Pilsner at eight bucks for a pint. By the way, the same size, pint, pint. That's the other thing, too. You start to notice that when you go around different places, the serving size could be different and the price could be similar or even more. I mean, there are there are $8, 12-ounce pours out there right mm-hmm. now. Sure. I mean, when I... Eight years ago, whatever it is, when I was... Uh, spent 10 years home brewing and eight years ago or whatever it is when I when I sort of wanted to dip my toe in the business I mean five bucks a 16 ounce pint was sort of the norm we are we have blown past well that. past that yeah now there's a brewery or two where you know you, you can still get a five dollar pint there's sometimes where you show up at a happy hour or whatever there's some of that but yeah, we are well past that in craft beer. It is just way, way too expensive. The cost of goods, the materials, the people. That's the other thing too is the 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 people that are are making these things. You know, you 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 have to have good people making these things, and it, it, you got you got to pay them. And and so all this comes together, and the behind the bar people and all this, but. Yeah, for for us and craft, we just we just can't we we can't fight in that in that place in that space. We can't. We have to be in the in the in the quality, in the flavor, and in the experience business. That 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 that's where we're at. That that's well, what we have to are, own. And I think there are plenty of local breweries that are trying to not kick out those enormous players but they want to have a presence in and I'll just use like the lager the light lager spectrum as the example here there are plenty of local breweries that are starting to try to step into that space with like the 12 packs of 15 packs of the lighter lagers to try to say we know that there are these big players out there you know the buds the millers the cores the you know the heinekens but look, locally we can make something just as good that we're going to try to offer you because it's crap, because it is, in all sense of the word, a smaller batch than what these bigger players can make. The price point's not going to be, you know, ten ninety nine for a 30 rack, but we're going to try to offer you something that we feel is that caliber even better, you know, to try to keep you local like yes we know you love you know your Bud Light your Miller but try you know the upcoming you know fretboard light or the legendary lager from Mad Tree you know I know I don't think Saunders doing like 12 packs or you know air quotes bulk packaging for, uh, for we did, your we, loggers we, at least not yet who knows we just have but you again. betcha and Voss um, yeah. the same thing I said about why Heineken is trying to introduce a lower carb, lower cow option Mm -hmm. to keep their consumers is the same thing you're seeing in craft right now. Mm -hmm. So the craft consumer is changing and this is, there's some regionality to it. It's city by city, it's country by country. But um, if you ever want to know what styles of beers 
are selling the best in a city, find the biggest craft brewery in that city and see what their core brands are. You're gonna find out what that city's consumer is looking for. Here in Cincinnati, in my opinion, you are seeing a shift in craft beer of the IPAs are still there. Sure. Um, they're, they're some of the best IPAs in the country in this city. Truth, Psychopathy, mm-hmm. um, you know, two IPAs that have been around for a long time. They're not going anywhere. There's a lot of IPA consumers in, in this city. But you are seeing a lot of craft consumers switch to those lighter styles. Agreed, yeah. That's why you're seeing a lot of Mexican-style lagers, mm-hmm. why you're seeing a lot of light lagers, why you're seeing German-style light beers like Kolsch's pop up again. You're seeing that craft beer consumer change a little bit, and that's just evolution, right? Like palates change, and um, all of a sudden you're introducing a new demographic of people into beer drinking when they turn 21, and you're losing some when they get old enough to stop drinking and, you know, unfortunately die or whatever it is, right? Like there's just an evolution of craft beer drinking, and you see the styles change. How many craft breweries in Cincinnati five, six years ago had a light option in their portfolio. You had Not in packaging or at their tap room because pack- all of them had it at their tap room. Yes, but yeah, in, in packaging. packaging. Yeah, that's a good in packaging. You had uh, Cougar from Rheingast, mm-hmm. uh, and then you had the Kolsch from Mad Tree. Yeah. I would say I would throw Common from Westside in there. Yeah. wasn't as widely distributed, but that's yeah. also another one that's uh, been around ca- for a while. Came around a little bit later, but yeah. yes. Yeah. But now you're seeing some people have two options, three options in their year-round portfolio. You're just seeing craft beer consumers change a little bit. And I think the like flow that we're in currently is some of those lighter, um, more drinkable, you can have two or three, four or five style beers instead of the big, heavier, hoppy IPAs. You still have plenty of IPA drinkers in this city, but um, breweries are trying to keep their consumers. Right. I think that's the biggest part of it is that Craft breweries in in, in in this market specifically, I, I don't want to talk outside this market, but, uh, you know, uh, Rheingeist had their, what, ninth anniversary, 10th uh, anniversary? Ten. Just had 10, yeah. I mean, Shout out Rheingeist. Yeah. 10th anniversary, Madry had a, a long, you know. 10 years well, yeah. 10 year anniversary. What you've got is you've got beer drinkers in the city. Who've been with them, who love their their core lineup, who have enjoyed their beer at the tap room, who have sessioned a lot of their light beer, and who are committed to craft. That's what they're committed to, and they crave a a light beer option to stay craft. And it's a community thing. Yeah, okay. you, you take pride in your local craft brewery. You take pride in. The neighborhood brewery, Julia. In between sessions here, you were talking about West Side, just seven minutes away from where you live. Like, that's your local spot, and sure. you're always going to be able to visit there and enjoy some beers. Like, you take pride. You feel like West Side is a part of you, right? Absolutely, yeah. The, we all feel that way, and um, I have friends that like they've just been drinking Truth for ten years. They're going to continue to drink Truth. They love how it tastes. They love the feeling of drinking. Uh, I believe it's since he made right, or is is there a slogan? Uh, I believe so. Is, yeah, I believe right. Something along those lines. Like yeah, they yeah. they feel like they're part of the craft beer community by enjoying that beer, and it's a phenomenal beer. But um, it, it's you're, taken you're, ten years for us to get to the point where 
more places are offering a lighter option because they can at least make it make a money sense sort of you know on a high volume brewery it's it's okay like they they can get it but i mean even from saunders perspective at, at the number of barrels that you do in a year um you're packaging that um voss in those 12 packs uh you know that that's that's a big step that's a big leap you know but but people are buying it and, and again if people want craft they want it it's an option but it is in no way a apples to apples of price comparison uh, to a big beer brand and it's sure, never right. gonna no, be it's, it's no, never no. ever gonna be nor should it really right like the right, economics of scale come into play so that's why so you you talked about you know like all of a sudden your your local craft brewery needs to compete on a quality and experience yep table not at a price table correct and you're going to have you're always going to have those folks that's like no I just want the cheapest beer bush lights available for you it's not going anywhere. Natty Light's available for you. Those things aren't going anywhere. Saturdays. Drank plenty in college. <laughs> I totally get it. Sure, Won't sure. even fault you. We don't beer shame. But uh, we're to the point where there's so much competition in craft beer that I wouldn't even really say that people are making light beers to steal from Bud Light, steal from Miller Light. You're trying to capture consumers that were already drinking your product yes. and are switching to that style of beer. You don't want to lose them to Bud Light. Sure. Yeah. You want to keep that consumer in your portfolio. So maybe um, an at-home example would be, um, you know, we've had a ton of success with you, Betcha. It's a phenomenal beer. It's an incredible beer. Absolutely. Um, if you told me that you're the type of person where you have one or two Ubetchas and you want to switch to a light beer... Uh, I'd ask you if I can join because that's kind of who I am. I I don't want to switch from You Betcha to Bud Light. I want to switch from You Betcha to Storyteller White Lager, Voss Kolsch. Like I want to stay within that craft portfolio because those sure. beers taste exponentially better. But also I'm supporting. Um, that's you know, exactly for what me. It is. It's my company, yeah, but yeah, you know, even if I was not part of Sonder, like I feel like I would be supporting something that's local, something that's craft, and it frankly does taste better, right? So. Again, I, I don't think it's necessarily. Absolutely. I don't think. I don't think people are trying to compete with Bud Light, because if you are, good luck. <laughs> but it, but if you're trying to, if your goal is to keep your consumer and keep those options open for those folks that enjoy your brand and enjoy your beer, and there's you just so want many something be- a little lighter, something just a little more. But or that's less the, that's that's whatever, the whole yeah. thing. That's the whole thing is is finding, uh, you know, introducing people to to your brand to your beer, uh, to your experience, um, getting them to buy a shirt, buy a hat, getting them to buy a tin tacker to put in their basement or, you know, the, the place where they have their, uh, beer fridge or their kegerator. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that's, that's humanizing yeah. your brand. That's keeping sure. your brand yeah. top yeah. of mind. I mean, that's, and if that's what Heineken then, feels they need to do. And then you have, when, when you have your, you know, when you, you when you're grilling out or you're having a barbecue, which by the way, those are two different things in my mind. Uh, uh, when you're when you're doing those things and you have your friends over, or your family over, you know, uh, well, all Uncle 
you know, Dick drinks his Bud Light, well, go get you one of the, you know, go get you a Voss or a Storyteller, and you're going to be all right. You're, yeah. you're going to live, Uncle Dick, believe me. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you've got all this other, you know, Sonder beer in there. You get yeah. you betcha and all the other uh, great stuff that you have, or maybe towards the end of the night for the break you know, nocturnal. Break out or you break out a barrel aged beer or something. Some the auto, yeah, absolutely. Marco, yeah. this isn't even a leading question for you. I'm genuinely curious because I want to compare it to our experience. But when you have a consumer walk into Fig Leaf for the first time, sure, and uh, they are a Bud Light drinker or a Michelob Ultra drinker, and they come up to the bar. You know, I'm, this is even a question for you at this point, but like the number one question that we get at the bar is, "What's your lightest option?" Mm-hmm. We're a big happy hour spot. We have a lot of businesses around us that don't have places to go get a beer. So, oftentimes, we have people stopping in Asander for the first time every day, every week. And one of the most common questions we get is, "What's the lightest beer you have?" The amount of times I've seen someone get handed a Voss after that question, come back at another one, and then go to the cooler and get a six pack to take home with them is countless over the four and a half years I've been at Sonder. Is that guy gonna ever buy Voss again? Who knows? But he really enjoyed it. Right. He enjoyed it enough to get another one. He enjoyed it to take a six pack home with him. If he goes back to Bud Light afterwards, more power to you, but like the amount of people that I've seen convert to craft because they find out that oh, craft offers what I like with more taste, but a little bit more in price. You're all of a sudden kind of getting those consumers to switch, but it's not really the goal of it. It's kind of like a cherry on top. To me, I think the big thing is keeping that consumer in your portfolio. But if we if we get a couple macro consumers to come to us, that's a win too. I'd agree. Yeah. Yeah. So not a question in there, but I, I'm going to answer what I think the question meant to be. So I went uh, on a tangent. I've had beers. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. So it's great conversation. I love our this. tap list. That obviously I've been in the Sonder tap room often. Um, Once or twice. Yeah, often. <laughs> uh, so our tap list is arranged by categories. So I have. You know, lighter beer options. I have IPAs, specialty beers, dark beers, seltzers, ciders. And that's the way our tap list is 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 arranged. So when you look at at my tap list, it's light beers, and I've got four, five, six, right. whatever. And so it's like, well, what do you have that's light or not that hoppy? And it's like, well, you know, what what do you like? Um, do you like some flavor, not some flavor? Do, and by flavor, I mean, are you open to maybe something with strawberry in it? Are you open right. to maybe something with coffee in it? Are you open to, you know, maybe something that uh, has just a slight hop, uh, you know, high slop, uh, a slight hop crispiness <laughs> to it? Um, or more just, uh, you know, would you would you like a, um, um, a cream ale or a pilsner? And so... And then we let them taste some stuff, you know, that sort of thing. So you get that's all of a sudden where like the skill set of your team comes into play. Yeah, I love seeing it from ours too. Uh, Do you guys? What's your strategy on? You got them the lightest beer first, then they come back. I love it when our folks kind of like, hey, you like this? Let me try this with you. 
or get you to try like nocturnal is like the biggest upsell that we see it's like oh you liked our lighter option Yours is a dark version of that. What do you think? I'm sure your folks do the same thing. Yeah, especially when it's a time of year when we have something uh, much like that on on tap. Uh, that I've seen it firsthand, where you know just the increase, the boost in flavor, and mm-hmm. without the hot bitterness, and you know it 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 does open people's eyes, and people will session a beer like that. I don't, even, then, I don't even fault them for being hesitant to it either because there's been so many times where folks get burned by a bad beer sure, and you, you write it off. I didn't like that Pilsner I had. It was the first time I ever had a Pilsner. It was old. It was bad. It was too hoppy, whatever it was. Then like in your brain, you write off Pilsner. It's fun to see someone reevaluate that. Of like, oh, that was just one Pilsner I had that I didn't really enjoy. But I had Voss at Sonder and then got talked into a rally cap oh, this rally cap was different, not what I'm used to drinking, but still really good too. You're all of a sudden like opening up those doors of folks to, you know, that turns into sales elsewhere. It turns into, oh, I'm buying a 24 pack of Bud Light at Kroger, but I'm gonna add a six pack of that rally cap from Sonder that I had that was mm-hmm. really good too, where all of a sudden Sonder pokes out in your brain when you're staring at a 30 beer tap list, it's like, Ah, they don't have Bud Light. I don't what uh, Rally Cab. I had that at Sonder the last time. I'll try that. Like it, you're all of a sudden like opening those doors for folks, and I think a good taproom staff has that ability to do, and it's part of why craft is still not competing on price, but competing on quality and experience, like what you said. Yeah. Uh, so cards on the table. The recipe for Rally Cap has changed every year, <laughs> yes or no? Uh, I want to say year one and two were the same. Okay. I think both were, I want to say we went Pilsner, Pilsner, Lager, Pilsner. I think it was only a Lager for one year, right? I. I feel, I'm asking you, like, you're the guy that works there. Well, I've had, I've had it said, every year. Yeah, I've sessioned it uh, over and I over I remember again. I met you at Rally Cap Day the first year. I was there. Yeah, you went to the Reds game afterwards. Yes, I did. Uh, nice. I, now I'm thinking it was Pilsner, Lager, Lager, Pilsner. But the Lager recipe might have changed. I'm pretty sure it has changed every year. Yeah, that's. I, I feel like it has. But... That, to anybody who's out there that thinks that their favorite beer doesn't change, it changes. Uh, you're wrong. It, yeah. it absolutely changes. Now, the tweaks are minor, and the tweaks are meant to, you know, hit certain benchmarks for, you know, the the the, the intention of the person that writes the recipe or the production team or the or the challenges and changes that come up with uh, the 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 brewing equipment uh maybe enhancements and all that other stuff but uh rally cap has gone you you are right though rally cap has gone through like distinct child wow child style changes where a like a similar example would be like you betcha how it tastes now is different how it tasted on opening day in october of 2018 i remember that taste the, by sti- the, way. the style of be- <laughs> do you because you probably shouldn't have had it uh, I should not have had it. I do remember the taste, That's and I should not have had it. Yeah, <laughs> he remembers um, it because yeah, because it does it, not have lactose anymore. It does right? not, but but it, and it's gone through it's gone through slow, gradual changes. It's always been a New England IPA, but 
uh, today's version is much more drinkable, yet still flavorful than that 2018 version. But yeah, you definitely shouldn't have had that 2018. Yeah, version. I didn't know that beforehand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways. Oh, man. You can have you betcha now, though. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. true. And I have. I have recently. So. I think I think uh, Chase always does a good job of this. Um, there's always room for improvement. If you think something's perfect, it's likely not. No. No. I mean, will, it, will always, anything ever be perfect to them though? Like, or will there always constantly be something that I can? And this is more into that rhetorical in the air. Don't actually expect an answer, but I, I don't even know that I could like truthfully answer that for him. Um, yeah. I think that would he even be able to answer that question? I, I he I love it about him, but he's always looking to improve. So like, if he. I don't think you betcha doesn't change batch by batch. Like it's mm. it's fairly consistent, but there have been tweaks over the years. Sure. To my knowledge, it's like pretty set in stone right now. Um, it's at, you never know. Give it another year, and he might learn something new or find something new to where, like, you know what? If we tweak this temperature by one degree, well, the other, we're gonna get. I don't know. The other thing with that too is that like yeast strains evolve and hops evolve mm. and those flavors all of a sudden bring in tweaks to a recipe too. So uh, your favorite beer might be changing because they're making tweaks to the recipe, but it also might be changing because the hops that, are that just different. The hops are different yeah. or the yeast yeah. they've been using is evolving. Like those things, you know, they take form over time. So it's not a, it's not a black and white thing. We're not just changing it for the sake of changing it. Sure. There's a thought process to it, but we always want to make sure we're doing it so that it's not obvious to the consumer that, oh, yeah, this was a big change for you, Batch. It's right. gradual over time. That's a percentage by percentage. Right. Thing. You're not that announcing that you remastered, <laughs> you betcha. Jesus. And nor has it ever been remastered, right? It's just been tweaked slightly to be better. And, you know, with the feedback that we get, we always feel like that does end up being the case. Yeah. All right, well, I had one other thing that I wanted to ask Danny about, but our glasses are empty, and we cannot end the podcast and cheers with empty glasses. Mark doesn't even especially have a glass. Especially with Danny. Especially that would be bad juju. I'm not allowed to do that. Yeah, you can't do that. Well, and Mark doesn't even have a glass currently. He has a can. That just wouldn't even can. sound right. It's the champagne of beers. Hell yeah. D- yeah. Hey, you know what? That's an insult. Mm. So... <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. So let's take a super quick break and get something new to drink. And then, Danny, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on a recent-ish disc golf, uh, I don't say tragedy, but just something in the disc golf community that's happened a couple times that should never have happened. Oh, and I'm, I'm interested to see I mean, yeah, what you think is. about I'm it. A you, you, yeah. you might, once I say it, but I'm just giving you like the most ambiguous you know, dramatic lead in Love it. <laughs> ever. All, All right. right. We'll be right back. All right. We took our final break and we have made it back, back. once. Again. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe I know. Okay? No, I'm dying. Uh, we've made it back once again. Uh, yeah. Inhaled when I should have exhaled and all kinds of stuff. Breathing is hard. I have enough to deal with as an adult. I'm addicted to it, by the way. So am I. Yeah. It's problematic. Danny. Breathing? It's all right. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we all have fresh beers to make sure that we can cheers. This will be kind of a shorter, like, ending, I I think. Who knows? This could be another two-hour rabbit hole. We'll find out. A bunch of chatty Cathy's in front of the mics, you know. Uh, I'm telling you. Marco, what are you drinking? Uh, I have Rod House Pills again. Hell yeah. Danny? Uh, For the culture, I have Miller High Life. Yes. Yes, and I am also drinking, I'm going to do this just to poke the bear, the Sonder 
of macro beers. Oh, what the hell? A cheers. high life cheers to that. <laughs> because why not? We mentioned it before. I figure let's I bring this full circle. I take it as a compliment, circle. Julia. Oh, thank you. Thank that, that's exactly how I meant it. Beautiful. Oh, my god. Danny, gosh. you in for tequila Tuesday? Ooh. Oh, I really don't like tequila. Oh, no. Depend, but have you had the right tequila? College yeah. ruined clear liquor for me. <laughs> now we're going to do a reposado. It's a little, Ooh, little I was, tan. I don't know. Tan. I was, I was going to splurge on the classes. Ooh. Let's go. Three-way. We'll, we'll do that one. Let's do it. We're doing it. All right. Uh, I, I, I do I do have a like cardinal rule that I don't say no to alcohol given to me. Okay, we're done. All right, cool. Um, yeah, done. Two ounces, really three ways. The only exception is we'll do that. the monstrosity of liquor that comes from Chicago. Ooh. Oh, Ooh, uh, I know. Yeah. I will not do it. I told my friend that is born and raised from Chicago that his wedding day would be the last time I ever drank a Malort shot. And I have stuck by that. It is right. disgusting. Okay, Fair very good. Fair you are enough. a psychopath if you feel differently. <laughs> They're starting to come in the, into the state, aren't they? I do not care. <laughs> okay, very good. As a guy that who stays up to date done. on alcohol news, Danny's like, don't give a shit. Nope, 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 nope. nope. All right, last thing that Danny I wanted to ask you about yeah, is something about involving disc golf. Okay. Uh, apparently, and, and I don't know the proper terminology, so please, you know, don't shoot the messenger that's just repeating things I've read from local never. news sources. Uh, apparently, DeVue Park's disc golf oh. course, yeah, I knew you would know about this when I brought it up, has been vandalized three times. The first time, I believe, the disc golf baskets, is Baskets, that? yeah. Okay. Were, like, completely removed, stolen, taken that's away. That's happened every time. Okay, I thought that the second two times, they were just horribly mangled and kind of destroyed. It could just be, you know, phrasing in, on the website. Well, I, I, I don't think... What is wrong with people? <laughs> I actually, You're actually right. I apologize for correcting you. They've just been vandalized three times. Okay. But, like, vandalized to the point where they're not, like... You can't fix them. Right, right. They are... Com- like, who... To me, what little I know of disc golf, it's not a incredibly loud and rambunctious sport. It's not something that you have multiple people and and this is a terrible analogy but like let's just say hockey you have a big group of pe- yeah, a big group of people in the exact same small space for an hour two hours whatever it is mm-hmm. disc golf you'll have smaller groups of people but they're they're there and then they're gone to the next basket to the next the, you the, know part like the only thing i could really think of why why do people hate on it, it's still a mystery of to like who's doing it mm-hmm. um my only thought is that it's Elon a, it, musk it's <laughs> it's a relatively um like well-off community that lives there in yeah, yeah. and so it's uh, tucker carlson <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say it um it, and it, it feels to me like maybe that community, despite what was talked about prior to the course being installed, was that they were excited about it, and then these and actions, all of a sudden they weren't. These actions afterwards have like not really shown that. But also, I don't, I don't want to like rope in the entire community based on maybe one or two people that mm-hmm. are vandalizing it. Um, have you played on that course? But well, I, I, I has have. it been around a long time? I have. For to play? I, okay. I snuck in two rounds in between the vandalization. <laughs> Uh, it's a beautiful course. It's very hilly. Um, there's a lot of you know good elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great course. Um, the the and I, I don't I don't blame the disc golf community one bit. The big thing that we always well, why would they destroy their own stuff? Well, I mean, again, I'm, you're I'm, I'm not even. Outliers. That's not sorry. That's a good point. Okay. What, what I was more getting at was like 
uh, the disc golf community is not going to be one that litters or doesn't take care of the property or doesn't you know look after what they're doing it's a big we whenever we do bring beer to disc golf courses we always say that it's uh pack in pack out Mm -hmm. so if you bring six beers with you under the course six cans you're you're bringing you're bringing six empty cans with you off of it absolutely Um, same with hiking yeah yeah it's same concept you know so i i and it happens so fast. I don't even think yeah. the, the whoever was vandalizing it, and I'm making an assumption that they didn't want the course installed to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's the case, you didn't even really give the disc golf community a shot to mm-hmm. show you that they're excited and willing to take care of this course. You know, it was like weeks afterwards when right. it was vandalized. Right. Um, they have a beautiful uh, regular golf course there that I've played. It's great. Um, every time I, I've played there twice and there's a lot of like walking paths around the course, not the, the disc golf doesn't inhibit the walking paths. It's just around it. Mm-hmm. And you do, you do a, you know, Midwest nod or hello, good morning. How mm-hmm. are you to those folks walking by? And it's always been pleasant. Uh, my friends and I, I'm the type of guy that I want to pet your dog. If you have a dog walking by me yes. and that's always gone well. Um, so I don't think I, I don't want to fault the whole DeVoe community as a whole. It feels like it's a select group of folks that were not happy that um, this golf course was there, or maybe they are just seeing it as a way to be rebels or whatever it is. But um, I think that when you are putting a lot of effort into um, taking away something that gets folks outside and active and into a new activity. Um, it's a pretty selfish act, and um, I think that there's a lot of research that goes into the powerful impact that a disc golf course can have on a community because mm-hmm. you are getting children outside, you're getting them active. Uh, it's a community thing. You're hanging out with people while you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was a great opportunity for the folks in Northern Kentucky that didn't really have a course like that available to them, and it just like hasn't really worked out where... It feels like uh, the disc golf community is pouring more and more investment into that park, mm-hmm. and um, they're not able to get anything out of it, or, no. e- or even prove, like you said, the community, the disc golf community, is here to still be part of the Davu community, not to try to take anything away from what it is. I just hope that after the second time that it happened, someone from either the park or police department, whatever. Put up like a trail cam or two uh, or we've something. We've been saying like, that too. I, you know, I, right. I don't know what the solution is, unfortunately. Right. And um, you don't want to say, well, I guess we just can't have this here because that's not a solution. You know, that's... No. And know. so much effort went into installing the course, pouring sure. pads. Sure. Um, they had someone create uh, tee pad signs so you can know where the basket is. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of effort that... And also, you know, they had to pitch this idea to the folks that run that park of hey, these are the benefits of having a course. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a, it's funny enough, it's actually the course closest to my house. I live in kind of like a odd dead zone where everything's a little like 15 to 20 minutes away. Um, I was excited to like have that as another very close option for me to go right. play and it just hasn't right. really worked out that way, unfortunately. Well, hopefully third time is the last time. Hopefully they either find who's been doing it. We got to cement these things in the ground or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
even though, I mean, who knows, depending on what's going on. What's the disc golf version? Have you guys seen those uh, fake packages? There's, like, people that... Oh, yeah, they have uh, the glitter and the stuff that sprays out it, everywhere. It's not even that. It's, um, like, so, like, people that live in, like, more highly trafficked uh, communities, uh, they get their, like, Amazon packages stolen. Mm -hmm. So they put out, like, decoy packages that when you move them, they, like, explode. Yeah. You need to get that for disc yes. golf. Yes. Yeah. Haven't seen and only that. the true disc golf people will will be able to identify the fake basket from the It's real only basket. from a nightfall to night open. Yeah, agreed. I'd be good with that. Well, I only had two more small questions for Danny. One of them you and I are going to kind of okay. tag on. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a mood, a scenario, and a location, and I want to know what the best slice of pizza is from where for that because... Okay. I think it'd be good just, just to have some it's fun with that. in my repertoire, that. yeah. Absolutely. So let's say I am feeling just down on myself, like it's just been one of those weeks, one of those days, whatever. Okay. I am, uh, it's, it's. I'm going to say it's summer, so it's 80 degrees. Okay. It's like 90% humidity, so yep. it's not pleasant outside. It's hot. Right, I get right. it, yep. And I have to... Let's see, what would be like a third kind of qualifier for this? I have to be at a company picnic in two hours that I don't want to go to, so I'm probably not going to eat any food there. What would be, what pizza should I get to kind of prep myself for so, the rest of the day? So you've got to eliminate the like greasy options. Mm -hmm. uh, you want to feel light on your feet for the company outing. So you're going to eliminate places like Goodfellas and maybe Bubs. Um, I would probably recommend uh, St. Francis Pizza okay. in, uh, I believe that's Hyde Park there. It's um, it's like a traditional, maybe not New York style, maybe a little bit thicker, um, but like really, really high quality ingredients. It's going to be a pricey pie, mm -hmm. um, but it's not going to kill you on the grease or the, um, you know, the heavy dough. It's, uh, it's a well-crafted pizza. I think you'd be good there. All right. Any recommended toppings or just... I'm a go here and just kind of stay away from... I'm a simple guy. I actually normally just order, like, pepperoni. Okay. Um, but I do appreciate when some like when a place has, like, a specialty pie that's intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. uh, when I worked at Bub's in my lookout, I was a big fan of the chicken bacon ranch pizza. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Have you ever had the one-pound slice from Rockefeller's there in uh, Evendale? No. That's still Redding? Holy crap. It's <laughs> I, I have been to Rockefellers before. They have yeah. the uh, Bronx Bomber, right? Is it, Maybe that's what it's it is. Like it's been years and years It's like and a calzone, but in the shape of a pizza. That might be it. All I know is it was touted as like a, like a one-pound slice. Like Good They God. put so much it, it, meat and stuff on it. It didn't feel like it, it was that heavy. We might okay. be talking about different things. But it could be. It could I have yeah. been to Rockefellers, though. Okay. It's, it's right over by where I used to work. I used to work in Sharonville, Prider nice. Sonder. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, there. That was my pizza question. Uh, Marker, are we gonna yeah. do this at the same time? All, All right. right. Last, so, uh, last question. I know Danny's so scared. Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. What, what are, are you, you listening, listening to? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I always love that part of Saunders' story. So just kind of wondering what uh, uh, what you're listening to on repeat currently. I am seeing my all-time favorite band live for probably the last time ever this summer. So I've been listening to a lot of Yellow Card. Awesome. Well, I mean, not awesome that you know it might be the last time, but I it, absolutely it, it love is that. awesome because I thought I saw them for the last time in 2015. So the fact that I am seeing them again is so good. Stuff. So cool. many Elton John fans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
five years ago. Hey, yeah. if, if Yellow Card hey. keeps surprising me every five to ten years with You're a with, uh, with another out with another tour, I will be there. You'll oh, see me. Oh, that's so awesome! So. I'm so excited for you for that. Yeah, we'll see. That's great. Well, thank you so incredibly this much for fun. being thank here. You for this was me. an absolute blast. Anytime you're free on a Tuesday evening or you just get bored after work, you know where to find us. Hey, I will yeah. take you up on that. Yeah, absolutely. We, you might I see mean, me you, here reading. You see everything. Please do. Sure, absolutely. 100%. You can even sit at the end of the table and we'll say, do you want a mic or headphones? And you'll be like, nah, we'll be like, all right, cool. Sweet. We'll, we'll f- refill your beer when, uh, when you need it. Thank you for having me. With yeah. that being said, thank you to everybody for listening to this episode. Uh, if you like what we've done here, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, tell your dog walkers, tell everybody. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we are at TruthBeerPod. If you want to send us an email about anything and everything, TruthBeerPod at gmail.com. If you want to send us a couple bucks for beer, for podcast subscription, uh, you know, renewals, all of the fees that are involved with us making this content for you, TruthBeerPod.com. We have links at the top of the page for one-time donations to be a Patreon subscriber. We do occasionally do lives on Facebook. Um, we're going to try to figure out a way to be a little more consistent with that. Yep. And uh, other than that, Marco and Danny, what uh, do you think you guys are going to be doing next Tuesday? I think I'm going to be here next Tuesday covering all the Cincinnati-based craft beer podcasts with you. Sounds awesome, Danny. You are more than welcome to join us if you want. I appreciate the invite. Awesome. Cheers, Cheers, guys.